When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thanks for listening to West Indies on 99.94. I'm your host, Mashal St. Patrick Hewitt from the Caribbean Cricket Podcast. And with me as ever is my partner in crime, Santoki Nagulendran. On today's show, we're going to be chatting about head coach Phil Simmons. In or out? Santoki, take it away. Boy, Michelle, we're, we're going to need everyone listening to this might have to have a drink for this one. This is a big, big topic, which has kind of persisted since Phil, Com- Phil Simmons has been at the helm of the West Indies cricket side. So we're going to look at Phil Simmons from a leadership tactical point of view. But this being West Indies on 99.94 DM, we're also going to look at the wider issues, whether it be Caribbean journalism, sports administration, the divisive island politics within the region, which has all kind of fused together to create this sort of massive debate in the region about whether Phil Simmons does deserve to continue as head coach of the West Indies men's senior team. But Mash, do you want to take it away? I guess let's talk about, should we start with some context? Obviously, Phil Simmons was appointed West Indies coach, head coach after the World Cup in 2015. And within what, less than a year and a half, he'd been sacked. A lot of drama took place within that, particularly his battles with the West Indies cricket board, Mash. Yeah, so I mean to to set the context for those who who don't know, as as Santoki has correctly pointed out, Phil has Phil has been here before, and that that reign didn't last very long. And there was, I mean, he people forget Santoki. He was the head coach when we won the last glo- our last global title, the twenty sixteen T twenty World Cup. And I've already had people message me saying people who want Phil out messaging me saying, well, that was nothing to do with him. That's just because we had a great dynasty of players. It doesn't matter. They coached themselves to the world title. It's nothing to do with Phil. So when we talk about there being an agenda to want Phil to go, that's how deep this is running, that we're now saying that he's not responsible and has no nothing to play, no part to play in us winning the 2016 World Cup whatsoever. But for those who don't understand or remember Phil lost his job the first time round because he insinuated that there was a lot of political, and we don't mean government, we mean from the top of Cricket West Indies, interference in selections of um, West Indies squads. Because this period in time with Phil becoming head coach coincided with players like Bravo being persona non grata in West Indies, uh, that being Dwayne Bravo, being persona non grata in West Indies cricket. Um, Kyron Pollard being persona non grata in West Indies cricket, so there there was quite a there was there was quite a lot of political to and fro, and Phil was kind of reprimanded for speaking out of turn. Uh, he was then I think he got his he never lost his job, but there was a bit of an investigation into um, whether Phil was right to be saying what he was saying. He got his job back, so to speak, and then was kind of dismissed a few months after that. So when Phil got the job again in November 2019, I think a lot of people, I'm going to speak for the Caribbean and say that a lot of people at the time kind of said, well, yeah, it, it, 
it kind of deserves to go to Phil. There were other people in the running. We knew it was going to be a West Indian head coach. President Ricky Skerritt had kind of intimated that we needed to now trust in our own, so to speak, to coach our team after having a period of overseas coaches, most uh, Stuart Law, um, uh, Richard Pipers for one series or so, etc. And he was like, we need, we need to trust in our own. And Phil was kind of seen as the most qualified coach of Caribbean extract. So it was kind of accepted that, yeah, let's give Phil a go now. Um, again, at the helm of, of the West Indies cricket team. And with, with Skerritt in charge and Kishore Shallow, there's likely to be less or but none, let's say none, um, presidential involvement and interference in actually coaching the West Indies squad and leaving it up to Phil to get on with the, with the job in, at, at a task. And what's kind of happened, Santoki, is a hand back to you, is that if we had stopped at the end of... No, do you know what? If this conversation had stopped at the end of the Test Series versus Bangladesh, I'm not convinced we'd be having this conversation now. Because a lot of things that go on in West Indies cricket is so short-termism that every single it's like it's like watching Premier League football and seeing like Premier League um social media fans. Every single result or every single defeat that West Indies has speak leads to a wider conversation that's almost as if that result encapsulates everything about West Indies cricket. Mm. And you'll see like you'll see meltdowns in the press, meltdowns in the forums, meltdowns on social media after every single defeat we have. So being head coach of the West Indies team is no easy task. It's no easy task because you are literally judged on every single game. That notwithstanding, Santoki, we have to call it as we see it. And the recent form is terrible. So at the Mm -hmm. same time, we have to accept that there is a reason for people being unhappy. Yeah, 100%. I think, as we said at the top of the show, there's a combination of factors. So as you rightly point out, West Indies, at the moment, as of speaking, are on a record-breaking losing run in ODIs. T20 T20 internationals, which were our strongest forte in the past, we're struggling in. The question is, is this a coaching problem or is it a wider systematic issue? We don't have the right players to kind of succeed. So there's that question. Then you've also got the backdrop of, as you rightly said, when Simmons was coaching 2015, 2016, there were big problems with the administration. So, for instance, an example, a few months after taking a job, he dropped Chanderpool from the test side. Dave Cameron, who was West Indies cricket board president at the time, wanted Chanderpool in the side. I believe Chanderpool was even flown out for preparation camps mm-hmm. against Phil Simmons' uh, kind of judgment. So he was always sort of undermined by administration. Now he's come back a lot more transparent, a lot more positive relationship with the Ricky Skerritt administration. But we've seen examples of those within West Indies cricket immediately trying to undermine his position. I'll give an example. He took over in November 2019, as you said. I think we played a few series, Afghanistan, Ireland, then lockdown hit. Lockdown hits, West Indies fly out to play England. Phil Simmons has a family funeral to attend and leaves the biosecure bubble. Now, a good friend of Michelle's, Mr. Conde Riley of the Barbados <laughs> Cricket Association, um, he immediately called for Phil Simmons <laughs> to be removed as head coach of the West Indies side for putting people's lives at danger by losing this bubble. Now there's obviously political issues there with Conde Riley having his eye on becoming the president of the West Indies cricket board or cricket West Indies. And so there's always been, as with anything in West Indies, there's always been this undercurrent of a wider issue with administration, divisive politics taken on. 
So Phil Simmons hasn't really had the backing of the region as a whole since he's taken over in 2019. He's always kind of been fighting this wave. And stuff like you mentioned, the, the miracle win in Bangladesh has kind of bought him more time, but it's never given a lot of people full confidence in his reign, which is a shame because you need that backing to have that confidence to kind of go on long term. Um, and as you're saying, now we're seeing West Indies results aren't going our way in white ball cricket. The Caribbean fans are pouring out. The, the cuss out is in overdrive. And this is partly because of, I think, so sports journalism in the Caribbean isn't as it is. I mean, we're not here to cuss out sports journalism in the Caribbean. It is what it is. It's implication of the wider society that and kind of resources into it. But you're never going to find long-form articles or analysis in Caribbean media. It tends to be more short, snappy, clickbait articles, which are very much might be all right, West Indies are losing, the head coach needs to be removed and then no sort of statistical analysis, just that kind of opinion. And that kind of filters down to fans. So we've got a point where fans are, we've seen Pollard retire. Pollard's just come into the captaincy. We're still losing. Who else is there to blame? There's no one left to blame. The easy thing to do is to cuss out Phil Simmons and say he needs to be removed as if this is magically going to solve West Indies cricket and woes. But we know, myself and you know, this isn't <laughs> this isn't going to be fix anything. Um... So for me, Michelle, it's a complicated, it's a complicated regional issue. There's a myriad of reasons as to why Phil Simmons is kind of not in favour at the region at the moment. But boy, where do you want to start, Mash? What what topic should we go into first? Well, do you know what? I'm I'm gonna set a bit more context. Um, because if there's one thing we pride ourselves on on West Indies on 99.94 is making sure that people have the requisite requisite information to their hand to then make their own assumptions or judgments, I should say. So we're not here to say Phil should stay. We're not here to say that Phil should go. What we're really here to do is just look at the evidence on both sides of the coin. But one piece of context I want to set is, um, and this is really important, it's a speech that the President Skerritt made coming up to a year and a half ago. And it was uh, part of the Sir Frank Worrell Memorial Lecture. And I'm not sure how many people in the Caribbean knew about this. So, Skerritt does the keynote speech at the Sir Frank Worrell, Worrell Memorial Lecture. It was virtual, obviously. It was uh, November 2020, so it's in the midst of the pandemic. And his keynote was on reforming Cricket West Indies. And I'm just going to read this section of the speech out. And I apologise to people if it reads a bit long, but I need everyone to just take it in. And if, if needs be, get a pad and a pen out and write down some keynotes. He said the following, Santolki. But what if Sir Frank was to return to the world of cricket today? He would observe that cricket is now one of the most popular sports in the world. More than 300 million people of all ages play the game, which boasts a worldwide fan base around 1 billion strong. He would also observe, however, that cricket has become an industry and that the cricket world is changing fast. Sadly, Sir Frank would also note that West Indian cricket on-field success does not come quite as frequently as it did when he was captain. He would see that regional cricket administrators have been grappling for the past 20 years or so with declining and inconsistent team performances in all three formats of the game. Having won most of the test matches in which he captained, Sir Frank would be disappointed to find out that of the 194 test matches played by the West Indies in the past 20 years alone, we have lost 104 and only won 41, i.e. 21%. In the same period, we have won only 32% of the 434 ODIs and only 45% of the 124 T20 internationals we played at home and abroad. The data would tell him that in the same 20 years, 
West Indies selectors put more than 150 individual players and 18 different captains on the field to represent the region. This was the same period in which West Indies fell to the bottom of the ICC rankings ladder in every format of the game. These past 20 years also saw our selectors pick 28 different opening batters, 45 fast bowlers and 39 spinners in test cricket alone. The selectors turnstile have been busy in the past 20 years also. I remind you that except for an occasional injury break, Greenwich and Haynes were our only opening pair for at least a decade and Lance Gibbs was the main specialist spinner for nearly twice as long. The data suggests that the Cricket West Indies board has been pointing our fingers at the coaches as being responsible for the decline in team performances. In those same past 20 years, we hired 15 men's teams head coaches, most of whom spent very little time before they were relieved of the job. Most of the contracts of these head coaches were either intentionally made short term or were terminated well before they officially ended, suggesting that the coach was the one who had performed unsatisfactorily. Dozens of assistant coaches and supporting technical and management specialists from all over the world have also been hired and fired in the same 20-year period. I'm just going to stop there. There's more to it. And if anybody wants the link to that full lecture, hit us up, carrycricket at gmail.com. Come to us on Twitter or Instagram at carrycricket, and I'll show you the link for that article. But Santoki, I wanted to read that and start with that context because, Santoki, those stats are frightening, right? If I just say the test ones again, 194 test matches in the last 20 years. That He was talking from 2000 to 2020. We have only won 21% of them. And that's under 15 different head coaches. Now, this is where, this is why, Santolki, I can't necessarily get with the Sackfield Simmons campaign. Because even if he deserves to go or not, it's not going to solve anything. And I don't, and that doesn't mean he must hold on to his job forever and ever, amen. But it does mean that we have to recognize that we've been here before. And it like it isn't isn't the whole point of insanity of doing the same thing again and again and again and expecting some different result. The only consistent thing that has happened in West Indies cricket for the last twenty years is that we've got we aren't getting any better. So I, I just think we need to be a bit more nuanced about the Phil thing. Phil's contract ends in twenty twenty three at the end of the ICC OGI World Cup, if he manages to get to that point, right? I would just argue, wouldn't it be sensible to just wait until the end of his contract and then use the data to assess if we have improved or if we haven't improved, rather than almost do a knee-jerk, well, we're losing, so he's just got to go because that's going to solve it. Yeah, I 100% agree there. I think if Phil Simmons goes, John Campbell's not suddenly going to score a double century at the Gabba later this year. It's not going to it's not going to improve performances. But Mash, it'd be interesting to get your thoughts on, obviously we saw with the English cricket board in a build-up to the ODI World Cup, they prioritised white ball cricket and it was like, it doesn't matter if we lose in red ball cricket as long as we're doing well in white ball cricket. Do you think it would help if Cricket West Indies prioritised the format? Or do you think it's too much to ask in a modern cricket climate to rely on one coach to be successful in three formats, managing variant different players, different squads, different teams at the same time and expecting him to get performances? Because at the moment, the test side is pretty consistent, doing quite well um, in terms of our own standards, whereas obviously the white ball is faltering. At the same time, when we were winning T20 World Cups, the test team was abysmal. So do you just think that's just a modern way of cricket? It's going to be impossible unless you have specialist coaches for each format for one kind of 
head coach to manage everything and be successful in free formats. Do you think this is where Cricket West Indies need to go? So that's a good point. So this is where I think the nuance comes in. Whether, again, whether people believe Phil should go or Phil shouldn't go, what has happened in this kind of during the pandemic and post-pandemic life? And I remember when we had Phil on the Caribbean Cricket Podcast, this kind of came up when we discussed it with him. The problem for Phil and his backroom staff is they are literally Santoki. So let's take right now. We've got the White Ball Series versus um, New Zealand, uh, ODIs and T20s, etc. From there, they go straight to the World Cup qualifiers and then the World Cup. Then from there, they go straight into a Test Series. There is no... Um, there is... Yes, he's got staff who will be, I guess, with the Test players getting ready in camp before they fly to Australia whilst he's at the World Cup, etc. But maybe the job is too big for Phil. And I say that with the greatest respect. Maybe we actually need, maybe we need to expand the coaching pool. I don't know if I'd go as far as have a separate white ball coach. Obviously, England have done that, right? So they've got Baz for the test team and they've got, I think, is it Tim Mott? Is that his name? For the um, for the white ball teams. Maybe that's where we need to go. I'm not sure where I stand on that. But certainly, I think Phil could help himself by expanding his backroom staff and bringing in, I don't know where West Indies would find the money, but bringing in a renowned white ball specialist. Do you, do you get where I'm coming from? So listen, Phil might listen. oversee... <laughs> Listen, listen, hold on. <laughs> we, we played India without a sponsor on our shirt. <laughs> and you, you think we're getting a white ball specialist to come, to come as coach. Listen, the, the best we can hope for is that they rope in Kyra Pollard to do pro bono. <laughs> listen, you <laughs> asked me the question. I was just, I was just trying to float no. an idea out there. I get, I get what you're saying. Um, I think in an ideal world, you'd have that. But again, this is the nuances of West Indies cricket. We've got to be realistic. We aren't England. We aren't the English cricket board. We're not making millions a year. We're losing millions a year from touring. So we can't. We don't have the resources to employ full-time coaches for each format as much as that would help the side. So at this point, you're relying on Phil Simmons, as you said, to kind of manage the free formats and potentially, if possible, expand his backroom staff. So it's it's going to be a tough one, but I think one positive we can take, we've talked obviously about the negatives, the results and how he's been stretched. The positive is, Mash, with how the players were treated, the likes of Gale, Pollard, Bravo, by the West Indies Cricket Board in the previous administration, for Phil Simmons to kind of get them, I mean, as much as we badly performed at the last World Cup, the team unity was unbelievable. It was a cohesive team. Everyone was there fighting for each other. And you felt like they were fighting for, for Phil. They were all believed in this course. So for me, his biggest strength is this ability players from different islands, different personalities, all harbouring different grudges sometimes. He's been able to unite them across all three formats, and that's a massive strength. And it, you don't know whether someone other than Phil would be able to do that. He just has this ability to kind of galvanise the side and make people believe in a bigger cause in the West Indies. And I think that's a massive strength. And I don't know if you'd be able to replace that. Yeah, we, we cannot underestimate the power of man management. Now, of course, people would say I couldn't care less about man management if we're still losing. But again, for me, this comes back down to the how realistic are we being as a West Indian fan base? Um, I'm not saying we must accept defeats. I'm not saying that we must just willy nilly accept. Oh, well, it just is what it is. We're going to lose more games and we're going to win. But at the same time, yeah, we're going to lose more games and we're going to win because... 
Here's the problem, Santoki. Improving our white ball fortunes is a long-term project. When you're starting from such a low base like the West Indies are, it's a long-term project. And I'm not excusing, like, let's well, the last series 4-1 defeat to India. I'm not excusing it. I'm not saying we must just forget it. But like people saying, oh, that was 4-1 and, and that's, an, that's an Indian B team. Yeah, but of course it's an Indian B team because the strength of depth that India have, they could field a C team and be competitive against us. That's not an indictment on West Indies per se. That's more, that's just how strong India are. And I just, I, I, I just don't think, Santoki, that our fan base or some elements of the media are real or are re- either realistic or want to accept where we're starting from. And yet, listen, long-term gain has to come with short-term pain. And the yeah. problem in West Indies is the amount of short-term pain that our fans are willing to accept is one or two defeats in a row. And then they expect, <laughs> then they expect victories to come after that. But I, I think that our short-term pain is expecting the pain for a year, two years, before you're going to see realistic improvement but what what coach what captain in the caribbean you know like how our how arsenal fans say trust the process with Mikel yeah. Mikel arteta so he's what now he's three seasons into trusting the process no one's trusting the process with west indies you get three games if you're lucky for, yeah. for a process do you see where i'm coming from yeah 100 percent. and it's kind of it's good you mentioned football because that's kind of seeped into west indian cricket culture this ability to kind of jump and call for the coach to be removed straight away if results aren't going your way and i think as you rightly said mash he's got a contract up until the 2023 odi world cup i do think there are events which could lead to him leaving before then namely the t20 world cup in october i think if we don't come out of that group the, the yes, first round group he'll be removed. Um, I think that would be a basic remit. And then likewise, if we don't qualify for the 2023 World Cup, if we go to Zimbabwe in the qualifiers and lose, you'd imagine he'd be removed at that point. So I think there is a tricky time period coming up for him. I don't think we'll see him extend beyond the 2023 World Cup. Um, I think this it, it would be, it's taken a big toll on anyone, I think, the amount of pressure you'd be under in this role. And um, we've seen with like Ireland and other coaching roles, how valued he has been. So I think he could, we could see him leave for another another country, which would would be a shame. But like you said, we're not here to say Phil Simmons should go or Phil Simmons should stay. We're just presenting the facts and how there are multi-nuances to this whole debate and why we, people in the region are calling against him to go. Mash, what do you think, looking at that, like we've, we've said, the media have been sort of, a lot of them have been against Phil Simmons. Do you think it's just a case of no one else to blame? Is there anything to do with island politics is there like an agenda against Phil what kind of because we've seen it it's, it's almost been unprecedented the backlash against Phil Simmons and before it was Pollard as well but now we're seeing Simmons take most of most of the burden what do you think is the reason for this kind of media directive to kind of call for Phil Simmons to go is it just basically results it's a good question I'm, I might be I might be um touching on touching on some difficult waters here when I uh when I make this next point I think we have to be honest and we have to remember that when Skerritt got the job for at least the first two years of Skerritt being in the job, the Barbados cricket board were anti. I think the Guyana cricket board were anti um, most more than everybody else. And being anti, it meant that 
they had the biggest critique of any choices that Skerritt made. So the first kind of big choice he made was Pollard as captain. Pollard's a divisive figure, shouldn't be, but he's a divisive figure um, in the Caribbean. So people were anti in that sense. So it made sense why Pollard would be the initial figurehead of blame because he's more divisive. Anyways, the Get Pollard Out campaign had been running for quite some time. He's gone now. So as you kind of intimated at the top, someone else has to get it now because he's gone. Because I still remember Santoki. I got the receipts. Remember people said uh, Pollard's got to go. He's the one holding the team back. Well, r- results are still the same. Obviously, they can't They can't go for Puran yet. He just knew in the job. But they will come for him. They will mm. come for Puran in time. So now it's got to be Phil because Phil is Skerritt's pick. So I think there's... Still definitely a bit of an overhang of that with regards to Skerritt's got it wrong. He should have never given it to Phil and so on and so forth. But I'm glad you've made that point about the World Cups, because I do think if we're being honest, there will be there are you're right. There are two key moments now where Phil will be judged, both World Cups and. First and foremost, getting out those qualifying groups. That's the first particular test. And then how we do in those World Cups will will determine it. And in fairness, Santoki, Phil didn't help himself with the 2021 campaign because getting back Gale and the Bravos and the this and the that, that was always going to be a kind of uh, a marker, a state that was like a statement, right? And I remember us uh, doing some episodes in Caribbean Cricket Podcast about it, where if it worked, your Herald did as, a, as like a champion move. If it doesn't work, Everyone's cussing you out for why did you bring them back, so on and so forth. Now, we've subsequently seen that even if he'd gone with the players that currently are playing now, it probably would have been the exact same thing, right? But that kind of didn't didn't help him as well. Ult- ultimately, a coach has to be accountable. Ultimately, a coach has to be accountable. So people are right to ask questions. And the, the way you are accountable is your results. And Phil cannot be... He's not beyond that. He has to be held accountable. But I think people also should be careful in how they're holding him accountable. Because if we base it purely on Red Bull, he should stay in the job. Because yeah. what, what what has he actually done wrong compared to previous coaches that justify him being removed? So I hope that we don't fall into the kind of um, knee-jerk reaction of responding to the cuss-out, responding to the media and saying Phil's got to go. And then next thing you know now, we're removing from all formats of the game when actually, if you if you study the numbers, first and foremost, he shouldn't be gone from the Red Bull team. No matter what numbers people give, he shouldn't be gone from the Red Bull team. So it should be specific to what you're judging it based on white ball criteria. But I think you're ultimately right, Santoki. If I'm Phil, see when my contract ends, in 2023 why on earth would you renew why yeah. would you you're 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 um, respected all around the world basically phil is respected all around the world in cricket apart from in his own region he, <laughs> he's he's taken ireland to heights he took afghanistan to heights so we know this guy's got pedigree but of course in time-honored west indian tradition he <laughs> he's no good because the caribbean the caribbean says so and I guess finally from me, even if we get rid of him, Santoki, who are we even getting? Who are we realistically getting? People are sending me messages saying stuff like, let's try and get Brian Lara. What? <sighs> like, <laughs> Why would Brian Lara 
take whatever little piece of money we can give him <laughs> to take on the stress. Listen, I know Lara's is- I know Lara's a legend, but he's got the Sunrisers hide a bad bag. He's not giving that up uh, <laughs> to uh, come come and get cast out in the region. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? So I, I think people should be careful what they wish for. If they get what they want and feel goals, I just hope they're realistic and give whoever the next person is the time to build a team. But they won't be. And we'll be back here again, having the exact same conversation a year and a half from now, two years from now, same but look at the last 24 years. So I'll right. give you the well, last word, Santoki. On that note, Mash, obviously, yeah, critical few months coming up for Phil Simmons. As we always say, this has been the motto since we've been on 99.94. Never a dull day in West Indies cricket. So surely something will come up <laughs> sooner rather than later. But we'll be interested to see how it goes with Phil Simmons. Um, and we wish him the best going forward, coming up to a World Cup in a few months. But Mash, that's been episode four of West Indies on 99.94. Most definitely. People, you know how the drill goes now. By, by now. Get at us if you've got any comments about that. You don't have to agree with what we say. You may want to, you might want to question what we say. Cricket at gmail.com is our email. Of course, find us on Twitter and Instagram at Cricket. It's goodbye from me. Santoki, is it goodbye from you? Yeah, it's goodbye from me. And we'll catch you on the other side, guys. Stay locked. Thanks for listening to West Indies on 99.94. Please rate, review and subscribe. You can also download the 99.94 app from wherever you get your apps. If you'd like to follow us personally, go to at Carib Cricket on Twitter and Instagram. You can also head to www.caribbeancricketpodcast.com where you can find links to everything we do outside of 99.94. If you'd like to follow us personally, you can find Santoki at Santoki89 and Michelle at MashSTPaddy. Remember, if you love cricket, then 99.94 is the home of Cricket Audio. Follow them for podcasts and commentary from the world of cricket. Running should be simple. Just put on your shoes and go. And yet, when you try to learn about how to get better at it, especially as you age, you're confronted with conflicting advice, complicated workouts, and confusing nutrition trends that just won't work for you. On The Planted Runner, I'll share exactly how to run faster, longer, and feel great doing it at any age because you don't have time to waste. I'm Coach Claire Bartholik, and I went from not running at all in my late 30s to finishing a marathon in 2.58 at age 42, all on a plant-based diet. I've helped hundreds of runners achieve new personal records well into their 60s and even 70s with science-back training, plant-based nutrition, and proven mental strength techniques. Each episode of The Planted Runner is like a private coaching session on the run where you'll learn from me and the guests I interview. You'll get actionable lessons to help you become a better runner every week and reach goals that you never thought possible. Whether you're training for your first 5K or your 50th marathon, take along the planted runner on your next run. Let me show you how your best running is still ahead of you. 